Poppin' the Christian Bubble. It is now time for the Cultured Christian Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by independent financial planner Adam Peak. Join us as we provide commentary at the intersection of culture, tech, and faith. Black Mirror Season 6, we need you. Helen Hunt's getting old and still on our TV screens. PS5 hardware first look. WWDC is next week. Some banking apps are getting hacked. Routers are getting hacked. And if God's always winning, then why aren't I? All this and more on today's episode of the Cultured Christian Podcast. Episode 14, here we are. How's everybody doing today? No, really, how are you doing in the midst of all the craziness that is the year 2020? I mean, if we don't need yoga and prayer, I don't know what's going to save our country. It is outrage central. There's so many things to be upset about, angry, fearful, anxiety-filled, you name it. It's all there right in our face every day. I had a friend recently ask me if I was going to talk about it on the podcast. And by it, he meant all this craziness that's going on in our world. And I thought fairly quickly came to this answer. And that is no, absolutely not. And the reason why is simply this. I want this podcast to be an escape. We need some forms of entertainment to not be covering the stuff that's going on in our world right now. Why? Because we need to escape it. We need pauses. We need breaks. And so, no, I will not be addressing it. I will not be talking about the issues that are going on because our focus here on the podcast is simply culture, tech, and faith. And so that's what we're going to be bringing you. And I hope my prayer is that you find this place just 40 minutes or so an episode, a break from all that, and you get to listen to and think about things that are of interest to you. So I hope that you enjoy today's episode, and let's dive right in and begin talking about culture. Have any of you traveled to Madrid, Spain, or maybe you're a listener in Madrid? If you have, you may have seen a certain poster on a bus stop that has caused you to stop in your tracks. What I'm talking about is there's an ad agency that recently, in the last few months, has been putting these Black Mirror Season 6 advertisements on these bus stops. Now, what's unique about it, though, is when you walk up to it, it has Black Mirror at the top, 6th season, live now, everywhere, and then below it is a mirror. So the idea is that you and I, because 2020 is so such a crazy year, that it's basically a Black Mirror episode. If you've ever watched Black Mirror, it's a futuristic series, and it's often in a dystopian world where all sorts of crazy things are happening with technology and the misuse of it and just all sorts of different storylines come out of the Black Mirror series. Unfortunately, as I've done a little bit of research, it is not advertising an actual season six so it's more of a teaser than anything there is no date on the release of black mirror season six but this again is just drawing our attention back to black mirror which i think is really smart advertising 
And I will just say, I don't think I've mentioned it here on the podcast, but Black Mirror, the series, is easily top five, maybe top three series that I enjoy. And those of you who are a part of this podcast probably like Black Mirror if you've ever seen it. I was, again, kind of late to the party. I think it was season two that I decided to give it a go. And a friend of mine nudged me to check it out. And I've been in love ever since because it really is culture and technology, futuristic, really brings up some interesting discussions about ethics and the future. So if you haven't checked out Black Mirror, I encourage you to check it out. There is a ton of great episodes. Another friend asked me recently because I was talking about Black Mirror and they said, what are your favorite episodes? And so I think I'll share with you a few of my favorite. Um, Probably top of the list would be Crocodile is amazing great great episode again i'm talking about like the writing and just the storyline and the futuristic focus um i also liked white bear was really really good and asked some intriguing questions about the future and how things are going to be handled so those are oh and nosedive nosedive again is a really cool one and kind of focuses on social media and taking this whole idea of likes to the extreme where people's entire lives, like getting a loan or getting a new car or getting a new job, everything is connected with how society rates you. And so everybody's rating each other. Again, really interesting discussion on social media, that sort of thing. So check out Black Mirror if you haven't, and hopefully we don't have to wait too long for a season six even though, yeah, we're kind of living in season six in the year 2020. I'll never forget my first DVD. Do you guys remember DVDs? There's probably some youngins listening to this podcast, some of my former students. Again, shout out to you guys. I love you. I miss you. You may not have ever owned or seen a DVD. I don't know if you're that young. You were probably four or five when your parents were putting in DVDs. But for me, I'll never forget somebody as a gift giving me my first DVD. It was kind of like one of those milestones that now is an old fart. I look back on and I go, oh, yeah, that was my first DVD. I'm going to tell my kids someday. Uh, But I'm telling you because I don't have kids. But um, the first DVD that I ever owned was Twister. Do you guys remember the movie Twister? It's all about tornadoes, which again, living in Michigan here is kind of scary because it's the one one natural disaster. Storms and tornadoes are the thing. I remember as a kid growing up and running in our basement when a tornado warning happened. Those of you who live in parts of the country that don't have tornadoes, you're welcome. Like that's uh, a good thing for you that you don't have to deal with those. But for me, it was kind of scary. And it was one of the first times that I had seen Helen Hunt. Have you guys heard of Helen Hunt? She, again, was a great actress. She is a great actress. She was in that film, uh, one of the, if not the lead role. And so recently I've noticed, I don't know what it is, but there seems to be a thing with Helen Hunt right now and Netflix. I don't know how deals are made or if she only works for like one company and that company let all of her films go on Netflix at one time. So I've noticed Twister is on Netflix right now. I watched a film last week called Night Clerk and she was in that. She was the mother in that. I can't recommend that. That movie was was lame in the end for me. Uh, but the one I wanted to talk about here today with Helen Hunt, again, I didn't know she was in it. It was kind of like I laughed out loud when she ended up being a character in this Um 
film. This one is actually on Prime, Amazon Prime, and it's called I See You. It just came out last year, 2019. I'd never heard of it. I, I don't know if it was released in film or just went straight to, you know, release streaming, but I had never heard of it. And as a movie guy, that's, you know, kind of a bummer. But I won't, again, I always try to stay committed to not giving spoilers on here, but I just want to recommend this film. It is a crime thriller is how I would tag it. There's a a story wrapped around a crime that takes place, and it's really well written and has a great twist. That's the only thing I'm going to say. Not going to go any further in that, but I'm a big fan of thrillers, crime, you know, real-life crime story stuff that has you going in a direction and then takes a right turn or there's something revealed that you're just like left going, wow, what just happened there? So if you haven't seen I See You with Helen Hunt, check that out. Again, Amazon Prime, you get to see your girl, Helen Hunt. I don't know how old she is. She's clearly had some plastic surgery and that's all I'm gonna say. But just check it out and tell me what you think in the comments or send us an email. I'd love to hear what you guys think about that film. Speaking of things released on Netflix, have you guys seen recently that all of the Back to the Future, all three of the trilogy is on Netflix? I just rewatched one and two. I I lost count again of how many times I've seen them over the course of my life. They're just fun. You know, it's one of those series and back to a time with like E.T. and, you know, Steven Spielberg and just, you know, stuff that Goonies, you know, kindergarten cop. Like, I just think there's there's a time where it seemed like everything was a little bit more wholesome is kind of the wrong word, but I don't know. Do you know what I'm getting at? Like, it was just for me being a teenager in the 90s, like these shows, these things. And I know that goes back to the 80s, but I watched them in the 90s and I just felt like it's it's a different time we live in. Movies are different today. And I've always been fascinated, and I think most of us are, with the idea, the concept of time travel. And so if you didn't notice that, again, I'm just kind of as a free uh, advertisement here, you can get some Back to the Future love on Netflix currently. I haven't watched the third one because like, well, most people, I feel like the third one stunk. It, it Again, maybe, maybe you're the one who loved three going to the Wild West in the 1800s. But man, if number two isn't your favorite, probably should just stop the podcast. Like I feel like Back to the Future 2 was the best of the series. Again, everybody has different opinions, but there's mine. It's my podcast. Meh. Finally, as I mentioned, it's been a while since I mentioned it, so I'm going to re-mention it. I need some music because... As I've said, it's my weakness. My kryptonite's too strong. I like music, don't get me wrong, but it's just not the top thing that I'm thinking about each week as I prepare these episodes. I I really need like a music correspondent to come on here and just talk for five, ten minutes on music. Like what's new? What are you listening to? What do you think people should listen to? And so the next best thing that we have right now as a podcast is I started a Spotify playlist. A lot of you have Spotify. You can even partake in this with the free version of Spotify. Many of you listen to the podcast on Spotify. So all you got to do is search for Cultured Christians Music. So it's not the Cultured Christian Podcast. That's what you're listening to. The Cultured Christians or Cultured Christians Music 
It's a playlist. It's public. And you can go there and listen to the music that we put on there, or you can add your own music, which is what I really prefer because I want to hear from you, our audience, what kind of music are you listening to? What is the new stuff or the old stuff that you've been listening to and you think is worth us checking out? It's, again, basically a, a window for me to see and for us to see as a community what everybody is listening to. So if you haven't found that link and gone over there and saved it to your own Spotify playlist, I encourage you to check that out. We'll also have the link in our show notes as well. All right, starting off tech this week, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about gaming because there was a big, big thing in gaming this last week, and that is PlayStation 5 finally revealed a bunch of stuff, a bunch of news for PlayStation 5. Started with games, they got everybody into all these games, and then we got the mother load. We saw for the first time in living color, the pictures of the PlayStation 5. I'm drooling over here, guys. I love it. I think it's cool. I think it's futuristic. I think it's a new, fresh design. They're getting away from more of the black box and moving to something that's really got some design element to it. It looks like a piece of futuristic art that you're going to set on your TV stand in your living room. So really, really cool stuff. They also revealed that there is going to be, some people didn't see this coming, I think it was, again, a question if they were going to do one or the other, and they decided to do both, there will be a digital only, a digital edition of PlayStation 5, and there will be one with an optical 4K disk drive. So again, this is something that's been talked about for the last few generations. Now that everybody's streaming everything, do you really need the disk drive we're not playing dvds anymore we're not throwing twister in there right you know when when and where do you need a disk drive and i'm going to be asking this question a lot as i move to the holidays when it's released because i can't remember the last time i mean maybe i pulled out a blu-ray of prometheus in the last six months but i just feel like it's less and less and especially because you know the digital version they said, which I appreciate, everything's going to be exactly the same. There's no, you're not losing any other uh, quality or a smaller hard drive or whatever. It's going to be on par, equal in every way except the optical drive. What that means is, is you'll be able to get a PlayStation 5 for less money because this will be 50 or $100 cheaper to get the digital only. But again, the downside is you can't share games with your friends. You can't go to GameStop anymore and buy a discounted game. For me, that's what I'm thinking about. The value for me is when I buy a game, especially if I only play through it once, I typically get it from GameStop on a disc. And so that way I can go back after I've finished it, hopefully get, if I'm lucky, half of my money back that becomes money towards another game or something in related to gaming. That's been my thing for, gosh, 20 years now. It's basically a way to save money when it comes to uh, video gaming. And so the other thing we saw was a matching headset, a camera that you can throw on there for streaming, and the controller charger. So those were some things that, again, we hadn't seen until this past week. We've seen the controller, and all of these are white with black design elements. It just looks really slick. If you haven't checked it out, 
go over to The Verge. I'm going to ch- uh, share the article as we always do in our show notes. But I'm super excited for PlayStation 5. I'm definitely saving money, putting money aside. There's so much this fall that's going to be breaking my bank. But it's technology. It's awesome. And I couldn't be more excited for PlayStation 5. Speaking of gaming and excitement, I'm sorry for you non-gamers. The first three stories here in our tech section are game-related this week. But this Friday, speaking of games, speaking of excitement, I am picking up the copy, my copy, of The Last of Us Part 2. It's been seven years. I, I saw that today and I couldn't believe it. Seven years since The Last of Us came out. And I'm not going to share a ton here because I'm going to be sharing about it in an upcoming episode where I'm interviewing a couple gamers. That's a little hint drop there. We're going to talk more about games and specifically this game, The Last of Us. I'll just give you this little little thing here, which is it's by far my most favorite game. The best game that I've ever played is The Last of Us. And so I'm super excited This Friday, this weekend, don't call me, don't come over. I'm going to be playing The Last of Us and getting into this story. I'm super excited. I told someone this week that I'm a little bit fearful only because it's kind of like a sequel to a movie. Like if you have a favorite movie and then there's a sequel out, it's going to be compared to that great first game. And so I'm a little bit cautious, but excited mostly because it's going to be like, I hope they just keep bringing it with the story and obviously the graphics and the gameplay, it's super exciting to have Last of Us Part Two coming out this weekend. Can't believe it. All right, where are all my Apple lovers at? Apple, the trillion-dollar company, $1.5 trillion. Like, oh my gosh, they have more money than most countries on our planet. For those of you, for those of us Apple lovers, WWDC is coming next week, June 22nd through the 26th. And this year, because of COVID, it is all online. You'll be able to watch the keynote like always, and a bunch of stuff is now going to be available online, even if you're not registered as a developer. So if you're excited about learning about iOS 14 and other software-related stuff for Apple products, it's it's exciting because I feel like this year it should be time for some significant changes to the design because the last few generations, the last few versions of iOS have been relatively small in the way of changes. It's mostly been a bunch of little changes and security updates. There hasn't been huge design things or massive changes, so it's kind of exciting. I think this year we're going to see some some big stuff coming along the way, and then later this fall iPhone 12, which everything that I've read, all the renders coming out, the cases, the leaks and stuff, it looks like they're going to go back to an iPhone 4 body, which is, if you remember, the uh, squared edges. So it's like your iPad Pros are right now. It's a very firm and tough edge. It's not rounded. I think Again, design-wise, it's really amazing, and a lot of people have consistently said that iPhone 4 was their by far favorite because of because of those chamfered. Am I saying that right? That sounds wrong. Chamfered, I think. It's some word like that, a CH word, but it's, again, very chiseled edges and looks really sick, especially with that silver edge, and then if you get the black one or one of the dark colors, it's, it's going to be a great year for iPhone and iOS. It's all going to come together awesomely this fall 
One of the articles I read recently about iOS 14 is that they're going to have, or actually it's going to come in iOS 13.6 ahead of the iOS 14 launch. But basically you'll be able to do a toggle just like when you have app updates or you want to move music between devices, you can have that happen automatically. If you're connected to Wi-Fi, it'll just download that stuff. Basically, just like the Mac, you can now set this up to where it will just download and install automatically any new iOS versions. So again, this will be something that you'll have to toggle on. I assume they won't force you to do it, um, but it's kind of a cool thing. I'm a little leery of it. I like the idea of it downloading for me and being ready to be installed, but I think it's wise to not set it to automatically. That's what I would, my advice to you would be, and here's why. Because sometimes things are released and they're buggy or they're glitchy or they downright brick your phone. And so anything that's done automatically, you can't pull back. You can't undo it. It, it just does it. And so... I think there's a little bit of a caution there, but it's neat to see Apple responding to and thinking about new ways because they want you to have the latest version. It's in their best interest. Usually it's in our best interest because you're getting new features, but they want you to have the security updates. They want to patch all the things that are broken in previous versions. So I see the incentive from Apple. I think, again, I would just put a yellow light of caution to toggle that on because you just never know what's going to be uh, ultimately broken once it comes out. How many of you today are using banking apps on your phone? Recently, about a year ago, I switched over and made the leap completely away from a brick-and-mortar bank here in the Detroit area to an online savings account and bank. All of my money, everything is in one of these online bank accounts that you get generally a higher interest rate. So there's the value for you is they're not employing all of these brick and mortar staffing people in the buildings, but your money is accessible through ATMs and through your app. So for me, I get my paycheck and I snap a photo and three days later, it's in my account in gosh knows where. I, I couldn't even tell you where my bank is located as far as an actual building. But again, with technology, the security is there now and it's ease of use. It couldn't be easier to use that. And I get the the bank that I use use online also has free ATMs. I get like three or four withdrawals a month for free so I can get to my money if I need money. But most people, most days, I don't need money, right? Like I don't need money until it's graduation party season or birthdays, stuff like that where you need cash. So for me, I just use online a lot. But recently the FBI has focused in on and released a public service announcement warning us about hacking banking apps. They're seeing a rise in this. Part of it, again, because of COVID, everybody's been moving, at least you know for the last 12 weeks, we've all been banking online or banking significantly online. But they found out there's kind of two ways that they're hacking people when it comes to their banking apps. The first one is they download something, you download something, a malicious virus to your phone, that it can detect when you download a banking app and basically when you go to open your banking app it overlays on top of it and you think you're entering your password and name and all that stuff your screen name and your password to the banking app you're actually sending it to 
Joe Schmo in his basement, and then they can access your account and obviously withdraw it. So that's pretty scary. The other thing they said is there's a bunch of fake banking apps. Now, I don't know how you would get a fake banking app, frankly. Like, I don't even understand where you would be searching. You know, let's use an example of, you know, Chase Bank. That's a big, famous national bank everybody's heard of, right? Or Wells Fargo. Like, other than their websites or in the official app stores like Google and Apple, like, where are you finding a Chase banking app? But they say they're out there. So... They recommend, again, only downloading it from the bank, your bank's website, or from your app store. Make sure it's the official uh, banking app of your bank. And then the other thing they say, which again, I highly, highly recommend, is to put two-factor authentication on your apps. If you're not aware of this, Google has it, Amazon has it, all the big players now have it, and your bank should as well, unless it's a rinky-dink small bank all the large banks have two-factor authentication. And basically what that does is whenever someone downloads the banking app and tries to log in with your device in, or with your username and password, before it does that, it sends a code to your phone number or to an authenticator app. So in theory, you're going to see if someone's trying to log in and you can say, hey, that ain't me, and you block the person, the hacker out but it also gives you peace of mind so that you know, hey, I'm safe logging into this because it's going to have this two-step authentication. So I encourage you guys to do that. I think that's what I do. I think that's what most of my friends do, and it's a great way to have the um, ease of use, the ability to use your bank on your phone and not be scared of getting hacked and ultimately getting your identity or your money stolen. So check that out. Continuing with this theme of hacking, there is a new DNS hijacking attack on home routers. And this one's important, again, in the season of COVID. It might be a little late getting this information to you, but basically through your router, they can push spoofed sites to you that push malware. So again, through your router, if it's hacked, there's going to be a little pop-up that's going to ask you to go to this site, something related to COVID. It's like something you think, oh yeah, this seems legit. And you press download and it's actually downloading a virus to your computer. So it comes in through your router and it looks like something that's helpful related to COVID. And then it actually downloads something uh, bad to your computer. And so it again is one of those things that you've got to be careful. There's so many things related to your router settings. Again, two-factor authentication. Most routers today, when you log into your router, will have a two-factor authentication again. It'll send a code to your phone. So if someone's logging in from the street in that white van, as you see in the movies, right, they're not going to be able to do that because they don't have your password. They don't have your uh, code that is being sent out to uh, your phone. And so, again, these things can be pretty scary on the surface, but the more that you're aware of settings, the better off you are. I also think it's a good time to review how old your router is. It seems like the older the router is, the older the device is, the more likely that it's not getting the needed and necessary security updates, nor does it have things like the two-factor so just something to keep in mind if you're one of those people, I get it, you're trying to save money, you have a router that's you know five to 10 years old, 
you may want to start looking into these things because a new router is going to immediately be updated regularly. My router, I have an Eero router. I just got it again in the last year. The thing updates. It knows when I'm not using after a few days. It knows like what time of day. It just installs updates. I never think about it. I never have to press OK. It's just constantly updating. And the reason why that's important with routers is because there's always new threats. There's always new things that are trying to break into your home. And once they're in your internet, they can get access to pretty much everything. They're going to know what you're searching. They're going to know the credit card numbers you're punching in. There is just all sorts of damage that can be done there. So again, as we talk about banking apps, as we talk about routers, you've just got to be smarter than the criminals and you got to use the tools that Google and these router companies are giving us. All these banking apps, they're working with these security companies because it's in their best interest that they're not hacked as well. And so just follow all those guidelines, get all your passwords set up and you're going to be much, much safer and wiser. Our podcast sponsor is Adam Peak, my friend and independent financial planner. His primary focus is educating individuals and families with the information needed to help with the decision-making process of their financial goals. If you've got some questions that you think Adam could help with, reach out by going to adampeak.com. That's peak with an A. Securities offered through Sigma Financial Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC, Adam Peak, 300 Parkland Plaza, Ann Arbor, Michigan, 48116, area code 810-522-8169, or ACPeak at SigmaREP.com. For our faith section this week, I would like to talk about something referred to as the prosperity gospel. Have you guys heard of prosperity gospel? If you haven't, I'll kind of start with a short introduction here. Basically, the concept, overly simplified, comes to this phrase. God exists to improve our lives. God exists to improve our lives. And this often focuses on two areas, and it's also referred to as the health and wealth gospel. So the idea being often taught in American churches is that God exists to make you healthy, make you wealthy, bring you riches, bring you relationships, bring you a better job, bring you better health. All these things, it is God's will always for everyone at all times to be healthy and to be wealthy. This is a concept that exists in our world today. And some of you may be listening right now and you're like, uh, what's wrong with that? Like, that's what my church teaches. That's what I've heard. That's what I've read. What's, what's wrong with that? Well, that's kind of what I want to dive into today because the inverse of the prosperity gospel also has to be true. If you believe in and buy into that concept that I just shared, then you also have to believe in the inverse, which is if we aren't improving, we lack faith or we have sin in our lives. So if you're poor, if you have a disease, if you're not very smart, you're kind of a stupid, you know, lower IQ human being, then you lack faith or you have some big sin in your life that you're not dealing with. That's, again, the inverse that also has to be true. If you believe the first part, 
by nature of believing in the first part, you also have to believe in the second part. I want to show you a little clip, and I'm not going to do any intro. I'm just going to play this clip. It talks about the prosperity gospel, and then later on I'll explain what the clip is from. So check this out. It is a pain to know that there are people who do not know Jesus. It is a greater pain to know that oftentimes Jesus and Christianity is being distorted. Who told you you can't accomplish your dreams? I had no clue what the gospel was. I never really heard it. You know, God wants you healthy. I worked for my uncle Benny Hinn, who's a famous faith healer. As far as I knew, he died and rose again so that I could have a prosperous life. But what was going through my mind at the time was that this was real. Charlatans and snake oil salesmen have been doing this trick for decades. People think basically that religion is there to boost your ego, make you happy, make you more successful, make life go well. Um, and as I got older, I really started to question God and how He could send people to hell. Scripture says that we make the mistake of thinking God was like us. And what you do is you create a God who only wants to give you all the desires of your heart. Your destiny is calling out. It's time to start living large. We stayed in hotels upwards of $20,000 a night. Nobody wants to die, nobody wants to be sick, and nobody wants to be poor. All the things that Jesus says we have to be willing to set aside to follow Him. They take all of those things and they make that the attraction of the gospel. We are exporting the very worst of what Christianity has to offer. I'm strong, I'm healthy, I'm blessed, I'm favored. I am a victor, not a victim. I'm going to live a long, productive, faith-filled life. In terms of biblical Christianity, Christianity is about dying. How can I just continue to live my life as if this isn't true? So I abandoned my version of the American dream and I said, I will do what I can to take the gospel to the nations. Did you recognize some of the voices from that? You heard Benny Hinn, Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, Joyce Meyer, Kenneth Copeland. These are all teachers teaching the prosperity gospel, the health and wealth gospel. And what I find is often interesting, kind of a side note here, is that these teachers are often exorbitantly rich. We're not talking about, you know, living well in America, you know, 80 to 120,000. Take Kenneth Copeland, for example. The guy is worth $300 million. $300 million. And again, those who support him, you know, might say, oh, he writes books and he travels and speaks. And he... Okay, we're not going to get down on that level. But the bottom line is I find a lot of these teachers, a lot of people into this prosperity gospel use it as an excuse for their exorbitantly rich lives. They live, as the guy said in the clip there, going to hotels that are $20,000 a night. Like, really? $20,000 a night? Can you imagine what could be done with that money if they stayed in even a $500 a night hotel? Like, that would still be living pretty good in my book, but $20,000 a night? That's crazy. 
And there are really a number of problems with prosperity gospel. I mean, you don't get into this very far before it starts running up into other passages or other things in Scripture that really speak against it. I think one of the largest is, one of the biggest problems is suffering. And the many verses and examples of Christ followers being themselves sick, poor, and not famous. They're not celebrities. They're not people who would get called to a conference to speak in front of millions of people. One example, I think perhaps the best example, is the Apostle Paul. All of us have heard of the Apostle Paul. If you haven't, you should, because he's written most of the New Testament. If you're in America, you're a Christian because of Paul's missionary journeys. Paul evangelized the Roman Empire, heading up into present-day Europe, and then obviously Europe came across to America. You would not know Jesus Christ if it wasn't for this man's faith. And when we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I want to read some passages from this. I encourage you, those of you who are interested in this topic, to read all of chapter 11. Heck, even 12 starts kind of going, goes into it further. But let's share some verses. Let's get into the Bible here and start to see how this sounds after talking about the prosperity gospel. Beginning in verse 3 of chapter 11. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easy enough. I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super apostles, in quotes. I may be, indeed, be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by receiving support from them so as to serve you. And I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. For such people are false prophets, false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Now listen here, beginning in verse 21, where Paul starts talking about his suffering. And he's contrasting here how these super apostles, these super Christians, are often boasting in their success, right? We may hear other people today boast about their successful ministry or the amount of wealth they have or how healthy they are. They've never been sick. But listen to Paul here, an apostle of Jesus Christ, the one who wrote most of the New Testament. Listen to this contrast. Verse 21. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. 
I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled. I have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led to sin? And I do not inwardly burn. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. Wow. Doesn't that make you step back? Just thinking about what that one man went through in his life compared to a Joel Osteen. And again, I know I'm kind of picking, I'm just picking on these guys because they're in that clip at the beginning here, but there's a lot of them out there. And you put them up alongside what Paul just exclaimed, what he went through. It sure doesn't seem like he's following the prosperity gospel. Paul has been through it, right? And so have many Christians throughout church history. So many of us, like let's bring it into, into our lives. Those of us listening who consider themselves to be Christ followers, if we're honest, if we're authentic, one of our values here at the podcast, we've got to be honest about this fact that, man, my Christian life has been full of suffering. It's been full of unanswered prayers. It's been full of disappointment and discouragement. Yeah, there's parts of it that I find value in and I've enjoyed. It's added value to my life. It's certainly added meaning to my life. But we can't escape this fact that suffering is a part of our experience as well. And I want to get personal for a few minutes. Are you guys okay with that? Well, it doesn't ultimately matter unless you want to turn it off at this point, but I'm going to get personal and I'm going to kind of share some of my suffering, some of the highest level of suffering that I've experienced in my uh, lifetime. For me, I have a uh, disease, a chronic disease called Crohn's disease. I don't talk about it much. I shared, I think in one episode of, what is this, 14 episodes, I shared back in episode uh, three when I talked to Jay McKinney and talking about his journey with cancer, and we talked, I think he brought up uh, my Crohn's disease. Part of the reason why I don't like talking about it is I don't want that to be my identity. I don't want to be known as a guy with Crohn's or the guy with Crohn's or have people trying to you know, give me any number of well-meaning thoughts on how to be healed or how to change your eating habits or any number of things, right? And so my journey with Crohn's started in 2004. I moved to Portland, Oregon. I went there for my first full-time youth ministry job. I was a middle school director at a large Presbyterian church in suburban Portland. 
I was there for seven years and uh, it was my first six months moving out of my mom's house, getting in my Chevy Blazer, just me and Jesus and my dad driving west to the sunset. It was a huge adventure. I was literally following the trail of Lewis and Clark from the Mississippi all the way west to Portland. Great trip, great experience. But the first six months, I was getting sick. I was starting to have issues going to the bathroom, losing weight, losing energy, having blood in the stool. Gross, right? Like, sorry to go there, but that's the reality of what started to happen. And again, picture this. I'm alone. I am away from my support system. I'm away from my family who loves me dearly. I'm in a new environment with a lot of new relationships, some that would go on to become people that I consider family today. But as I was going through it back in 2004, I didn't have those deep connections. So I started going to the doctor reluctantly and went from this doctor to that doctor. And maybe it's this, maybe it's that. I learned in that season how little doctors often know. You kind of have to trial and error and get to one that actually slows down enough to consider your symptoms. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in the parking lot. I got a phone call from an unknown number and, and took it. And I'm sitting outside the church and I got the phone call and they said, you know, we got good news and we got bad news for you. Oh, that's great. <laughs> you know, let's dive into the good news. And the good news was, we know what's wrong with you. Okay, cool. And then the bad news, right? You have a disease which there is no cure. You will always have it. There will always be aspects of your life that will be hampered by it. The best thing we can do is give you medical treatment, drugs and surgery and various forms of treatment over the years to make your life livable. Most people don't die of Crohn's disease. You can definitely get it severely enough to where you can, but for the most part, most Crohn's patients live normal lives. But when you're in a flare, when you have, you know, active disease, it can be really problematic. You can have issues with energy and having to go to the bathroom a lot and all of the shame that comes with that when you're trying to work in a profession and you have to constantly run to the bathroom or people are constantly wondering what's going on, what's going on. And so I share that. And, and for the most part today, I'm doing really well. And, you know, the last 10 years, I've been on an infusement infusion treatment every six weeks. That's been, again, a very strong drug, but it's been a miracle in my life. But I share all of that story because what was harder than the physical pain often and some of you know exactly where I'm going because you've been there. The emotional and spiritual pain, I think, often is worse. Because here I am again, a guy who drove west 2,500 miles from home, following Jesus, serving Jesus, prayerfully took that step. I didn't do it, you know, stupid, stupidly. I did it with wisdom from friends. I felt like and still feel like that was God's call on my life. And yet the reward, right? The thing that happened was I got a chronic disease. How could you, God? Why? I wrestled and to some degree today, I still wrestle with the why question, though I've grown in my understanding of theology and God. And there's been a journey here definitely since 2005 when I was diagnosed. But I have to say, it's been a journey. 
And it's also very revealing. Nothing reveals people's theology, whether it's you or your friends or your church's theology, when you get a chronic disease. It just, it's so revealing, guys. It shows you what everybody believes about God. It shows very clearly what they think. And so for me, personal application, right, is how does the prosperity gospel fit into my life? Am I struggling with a disease called Crohn's because of my lack of faith? Am I struggling with a disease called Crohn's because of my sin in my life? I've definitely wrestled with those questions, I have to be honest. But it just, to me, again, doesn't seem like it fits really well that there are so many Christians on this planet today, throughout church history and in scripture, that suffer, that go through all sorts of things. I've been reading a devotional each night before I go to bed uh, from the book of Job. And if you don't know the book of Job, it's it's wild, man. I think it's second only to the book of Revelation as far as like you read it and you're just like your mouth drops open. Like what? This is in the Bible? And I won't get into all of it. You can read it on your own. But for those of you who are aware of the story, you know, his friends and even his wife suggested this lie, spoke this lie into Job's life that it was because of his lack of faith or because of his sin that he was struggling physically, struggling, losing his wealth, losing his family to death. All sorts of things hit the fan in Job's life. And their counsel, some of them, their counsel was, his wife's counsel was curse God and die. Just give up on that God already. Give up on that fairy tale thing. Because if God was there, why wouldn't he heal you? Why wouldn't he give you back your wealth, give you back your health? All those things because, and this is the implied thing, doesn't say it, but it's implied, you deserve it. You deserve it. And God is going to give these things to you. Crazy. Crazy when you really think about it. Another problem for the prosperity gospel is that it creates a caste system of Christians. Are you familiar with that term from India, the caste system? Basically, in America here, we can think of it as like first class, business class, and normal or economy class, right? Like on an airplane. There are different classes of Christians. There are different classes on an airplane. People who are Christians and rich are often seen as more spiritual and therefore given positions and status they normally wouldn't have. Again, if you're struggling with a disease or you're poor or you can't, you know, balance your checkbook or you haven't written a book or you haven't spoke to thousands or you don't speak as eloquently as the next guy, you're not as spiritual. And this, some of this is overgeneralization. It's not always true of every rich Christian or every true, you know, true that every poor Christian is solid in their faith. I get that. But we're just challenging ourselves to look at the prosperity gospel with fresh eyes. The clip I played earlier is from a documentary on Netflix. It's out right now and it's called The American Gospel. I recommend checking it out. And if you want a shorter version, they have one, uh, a one-hour version on YouTube. It already has over a million views. As we begin to wrap up, I want to share a couple lines that I really liked from the film that made me think 
The first one is the title of this section. If God's always winning, then why aren't I? Like, again, we serve a God and we preach a God who's always winning. God has never lost. God has never failed. And so the prosperity teaching would be, so shouldn't we be? Shouldn't we be winning at life, our careers, our relationships, our health? We have to acknowledge this reality if we are going to buy into the prosperity gospel. Another line from the film said, Stop seeing yourself as heroes in the Bible. They go into this section and it really made me think about how we read stories like the story of Moses parting the Red Sea or David with Goliath. And we always think that the application for us is that we're David and we're facing Goliath or we're Moses and we're facing an obstacle like the Red Sea. It again is taught that way and we see ourselves as the heroes in the Bible, we connect with that. But what if, and this is again challenging us to think different, what if scripture wasn't teaching us to be heroes and being like these masters in the Bible, like some Jedi master or something? What if that really wasn't the point of these passages? Finally, a quote from the film says, Prosperity gospel is literally marrying someone for the money. That was my favorite quote by far, because it really gets at the heart of the matter. Can you imagine, those of you who are married, if you found out that your spouse married you for your money, and some of you are saying, that would never happen because I don't have money, but... That's something that we see, right, in culture is sometimes people marry someone not because they're in love, not because they find the other one attractive, but because they want to marry into money. They want to get that person's money. It's not about a relationship. It's all about what they get materially from the other. And I think this quote here gets to the heart of the problem with the prosperity gospel. Lastly, I want to share with humility that I haven't always got this right. I felt convicted watching this film and examining my own life. I can get caught up just like everyone else in the materialism, demanding healing and its success from God. But if I'm honest, the closest that I've ever felt to God is when I've needed him the most. Perhaps this is why the church is growing in places outside of the U.S., where people don't just need God, they depend on Him daily. In the very next chapter, Paul begins sharing about his thorn in his flesh. I encourage you again to read 2 Corinthians 12. He asked God multiple times to remove this thorn in his flesh. And on a side note, I would love to hear Joel Osteen speak on this passage. But even though Paul asks, and he asks earnestly three times, pleads with him, pleads with God, God chooses not to remove the thorn, the pain in his life. It's here that we find this famous verse, which I will end today with. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10 say this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you like what you heard today, be sure and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. As always, we hope you enjoyed this and all of our episodes on the Cultured Christian Podcast. Please join the conversation on our Reddit. Also like and interact with us on our Instagram and Facebook page. Lastly, if you have feedback or topic ideas, email us at culturedchristians at gmail.com or share them via text or voicemail at 810-207-5717. And we'll see you in the next one.